When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Slammed, a Boston Celtics podcast. I'm Megan Adelini from WEI, joined by Esteban Bustillos of GBH and Justin Turpin, also of WEI. Uh, so we are coming off of a complete beatdown that the Celtics put on the Miami Heat down in Miami. Uh, <laughs> I think we just need to start there for our big topic of the day or really big topic of the week, I should say. What can we take away from this game? Is it too strong to call this a revenge game for what the Heat did to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals last year? Uh, what do you make of this, guys? Uh, I, so the 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 NBA scheduled this during rivalry week, and I think it's fair to say this is is this uh, these are the Celtics' biggest rivals. I would say so, just given the, the recent history between the two. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I mean, I, I think that they'll always have a, a little thing with Golden State because of getting bested by them in the finals two seasons yeah. ago. But that, you know, they're in such different places in their franchises, Golden State yeah. and Boston, that it, it doesn't really feel they, they just have a weird thing with Golden State where it feels like they're trying to take the baton from them. Right. Yeah. And maybe even Philly. But yeah, this one, I think this was like this is the ideal of what this Celtics team can look like. Not just they can stretch the floor. They can go inside Tatum. Obviously, I think he had some some great shots, but also just getting to the rack. Porzingis, uh, before he went down with his his uh, ankle injury scare, this was, a, this was what I think the rest of the league was scared of when this team sort of came together. It's like, this is what they can do to anybody on a given night. So I think it's kind of cruel that they scheduled this rivalry week and then put Miami in the position that they put them in, which is like, it's not so outrageous to play, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back. But when you stack up what the Celtics were coming off of, which is two days rest, and then going on the road, which is a pretty quick road trip down to Miami, like, I don't want to take away from what was a historically efficient night offensively for the Celtics because that's very important but I will say it reminded me a little bit of the flip side of what we saw with the Celtics when they went out to Milwaukee yeah right after that Minnesota win and it's not the same scenario because again Miami's at home uh that was like a crazy travel day for the Celtics and if you remember uh they ended up, we came on like right after that game and they ended up pulling a bunch of the starters partway through right. the first half. So it's not the same, but it, it didn't feel to me like a completely fair representation of who these teams are. And a little part of that is also that, and and we can weigh in on whether this is something the Celtics should take away from the Heat or continue doing what they're doing, which is completely in the opposite direction. I don't think it's a fair representation of who these teams are when they can see each other in the postseason, but also it's partly the heat has decided to yada yada past the regular season for yeah. the most part, at least with their stars. Yeah. 
I think that's always been though. Like th- this has happened for the past three seasons, where there'll be oh, this is like a decent team, and then the playoffs come in, and Jimmy Butler turns into somebody else and just starts you know, annihilating. They always ruin a contender's postseason, one way or the other, at least one. Um, so I, I still, I don't know that I still take this team as a serious Eastern conference finals contender. I mean, Justin, what you, I, I read your article last night for, uh, that you wrote last night on, on, on Odyssey. What, what was sort of your thoughts on, on what this matchup means going forward? I think going forward, like you guys said, it it's not indicative of what they are in the postseason because they just play so much better in the postseason. But the Celtics had answers for everything Miami threw at them. Like that zone last year in the Eastern Conference Finals completely threw the Celtics off. They couldn't get anything going. And it kind of justified the moves that Brad Stevens and ownership made, right? Because Wick Rosebeck said it on the EI airwaves that he spent the whole second half of Game 7 thinking about making changes against that very Miami Heat team. He brings in Kristaps Porzingis, who just completely busts down that zone. They had no answers for him, and it all started with Porzingis. Just his ability to punish the switches, his ability to take take advantage of mismatches. It's just he gives a dimension to something they haven't had and what they, quite honestly, were lacking last season. I think you're totally right um, I, on that point, Porzingis. He's, he is a cheat code for this team, and that's why... I feel like while we're talking about him, let's just get right to it. There was a moment where I think everybody was like initially like, oh, my God, no. (laughs) When you just because the way that we watch the Porzingis injury in real time is you just see him kind of on the ground writhing a little bit and then hobbling over and going directly to the trainer to the locker room. And you're and you it was almost like when I saw the replay, it, it was like, oh, okay, so he falls on somebody else's foot. He just basically turns his ankle awkwardly. And you're like, could have been so much worse for what the reaction was. And Porzingis from time to time, you know, he's got that Euro flopper in him. So there, he does have <laughs> yeah. that, but um, uh, let's just hear really quick. This is a uh, Abby chin from NBC sports, Boston. She was asking him post game about uh, what he expected that ankle to feel like going forward. We saw you standing up, moving around, smiling. How is it yeah. feeling now? Yeah, it's feeling all right. It's feeling all right. That thing's going to swell up a little bit. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it is tomorrow and, uh, and go from there. So you it's probably a day-to-day type situation. Not a, I hope so. I hope so. I think tomorrow will be clearer, uh, you know, how, how it is doing, especially after the flight, too, and all that. Um, but as of right now, I'm feeling pretty good and, and, and staying positive. So first of all, I would just ask you guys, uh, if you agree, Porzingis being the cheat code of this team. And so what it felt like to you in real time to get a little taste of what we know is kind of the constant thing hanging over this team and with Porzingis, which is he's a unicorn. He's incredible. But at any moment that can turn. Yeah, I agree in when I was watching it and I saw him go down, given his reaction, I think this is probably the reaction that a lot of people have. It's like, oh, this is absolutely terrible. Like, he's gone for the season. And he was like, oh, yeah, I could have come back if I if I want to. I, I don't know how much if that that was just, you know, him standing standing tall. I mean, listen, anybody who's played basketball, when you land on somebody's foot, that's never a good feeling. Um, but that is the question. I mean, 
the the dimension that he has i think we've been really talking about it this whole season the dimension he adds he of his he can go out he can shoot from the three from the mid-range gets he gets to the rim that's there's he has a skill set that very few people have at his height his size but he does have that injury history and i i guess the the question is do you do you trust his health in a seven game series in may in june etc that's i think that's the only like that's the only weakness that i see i mean and that's i mean that's true for any team anybody is you have to get lucky with your with health with injuries but i think if he stays healthy this is this is the team to beat in the east right now it absolutely is i i can't trust it like i just can't so i think i'm constantly looking at different ways that the celtics will be able to overcome if something happens and maybe this is just me you know being paranoid or preparing for worst case scenario um, which I don't think it was last night. I, I think like it's possible that he could be available back at home for the Clippers game. He's talking about how it's going to feel when it swells up on the plane. Like it, it's almost like he's been through some version of this so many times before that he's like, yes, I have a swankle. Um, this is how I take care of my swankle going forward based on situations in the past. I I also think that like quietly we may be, we talk about Porzingis so much that it, last night is a good reminder of how efficient on both sides of the floor Drew Holiday is. And I think, um, you know, we touch on him from time to time, but he he had a great night last night. I think he started out, he had like seven for eight or something like that. And that, that that's just incredible, definitely contributes to the efficiency of the offense overall. With Porzingis, it's just... It's kind of interesting to me that, you know, you you made this, it wasn't a one-for-one one trade because you went and got, you traded Marcus Smart in order to get him. Right. But I think about how you give up Rob Williams for Drew Holiday. And to me, Rob Williams, especially in that um, 2020, uh, 2022 year when they go to the finals, such a similar situation where... You know, you played him kind of hard through the end of that season. And at points, he was up for conversation of defensive player of the year. And then, unfortunately, had, you know, his various knee injuries. And some of it is just like, it. people talk about at the trade deadline, do you need to shore up the big position? We've talked about, I, I think that you have some nice reserves that you could depend on a little bit. I don't think that there's anything you can really do with Porzingis unless you decide to put him on ice for the entire season, which is just insane and ridiculous and, and just unrealistic. Yeah. Just, uh, just put him like in a cryogenic sleep chamber until, uh, until April, which uh, I wouldn't put past, you know, like a, like Brad Stevens or whoever, just to keep him safe. But yeah, I mean, but that's the risk, you know, it, it, it's just, you're trying to manage risk in any sport. Um, and you, you can't, you can't control it. You just have to go out there, and really just hope that that he he won't run into a situation where he's going to land on somebody's ankle or fall weird but that's uh, that's basketball that happens uh, the, the other aspect of this uh, I wanted to ask y'all you know former Celtic Terry Rozier now on the heat does do you think that makes the heat better uh, or or how do you see that playing out going forward 
So I certainly think it makes the heat better. Um, I, I loved Terry Rozier during that 2018 run uh, that he was on those teams with the Celtics, uh, that kind of weird position, or was it 2017 or 2018, the year that Kyrie was injured and they made it to the Eastern Conference? That was 2017 into 2018. 2017. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Get my years a little confused. Um, so I, I loved Terry on those teams and I thought he had the capability to be a starting point guard. I like him in this position. I think he'll fit into that roster. Well, all that to say, he has not done a damn thing since he got there. It has not been an immediate fit. Um, he's right. been like, three I mean, just, for just 10. two days, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, so I don't yeah. think, again, I don't think that's indicative of what he'll be going forward, but like three for 10, three for 11, just this rough, rough little start for him. But I think he improves Miami for sure. Does he put them into a position where they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals because now they have Terry Rozier? Like, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a swing. I think if the Heat make it to the finals, it'll be because of the other times that they've made it to the finals, which is yeah. they get in, they get this momentum, they get into the playoffs. Uh, they play with a head full of steam. Jimmy Butler wills them into two wins that they shouldn't have in every series that they get through. And then, you know, hopefully the Celtics, if they get there, the Celtics will be there to be a team that's just overwhelmingly talented and has a healthy Porzingis. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I, I guess my biggest question, I didn't re first, I didn't realize that Terry Rozier was averaging like 22.3 a game in Charlotte this season. Uh, yeah, he, he had high. a really nice season leading yeah. up to this little new stint in Miami, which again, only two games. Like it's not. Yeah, right. I, I guess I am interested. I know Kyle Lowry is, I think, 37, but his IQ on the court, his uh, his his defensive capabilities, his sort of floor general this uh, for lack of a better term that's what i guess i'm interested to see how they replace that because i think that was maybe lowry's biggest contribution beyond just what you see on on the night in not night out box score um because he he made that team better uh and I, i'm i'm interested to see how how they they can replace him going forward i don't know what, what, what did you think of uh, of the trade I'm with Mego. I don't know how much it really moves the needle. It certainly makes him better because he's bringing in the 20s, whatever he's averaging a career high. He's aver also averaging a career high in assists. So he brings in a better playmaking. And at this point, Kyle Lowry's done. I mean, he really had nothing left in the tank, really fell out of the starting lineup. But I'm just not sure how much it moves the needle. Like, like you said, like if they're going to get to the finals, it's because of Jimmy Butler and it's because of guys like Caleb Martin that give them that boost that bring them there. But he does make them better, especially considering they were 26th in scoring. Like that's certainly going to help bringing in his scoring abilities. But I'm just not sure how much it moves the needle. And I'm not sure if it really if you can guarantee an Eastern Conference finals rematch, especially when you look at teams like Milwaukee and Philly in the East, even Indiana, and New York. I just don't see if Miami's better than them. Uh, before we move on to Milwaukee, because obviously when we're talking about news of the week, they made some of the craziest news maybe of the season so far. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in take flight. But but before we go there, are you guys on the Luke Cornette hype train? <laughs> because I understand yes. that Cornette is very much the beneficiary of 
hot offense, particularly last night. And that we've seen this from Cornette before, maybe not to the extent of the efficiency that he's had at this point in this season. But last year he had some, you know, interesting games and contributions. And then you get to the postseason, and it's like, there's really no place for Luke Cornette in the playoffs here. I, are you looking at Cornette? Um, and we've talked about Nemus before on this podcast. Are you looking at those guys as enough depth at the big position that they could actually have a role later on down the line, be it at the end of the regular season when, you know, you're getting into the sports science of balancing guys minutes to getting ready for the playoffs and also getting a little bit of rest. And then also, especially in the early rounds of the playoffs. Well, he's almost certainly going to have some big playoff minutes, right? Just look, looking at their, their roster as it is, right? Cause coming off the bench, the guys you would trust at the the five ish uh, are Horford and Cornette, right? I, I I can't see any way that this team doesn't play him uh, in the playoffs. I mean, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think yeah, he he has to play uh, in the postseason. I I guess the rebuttal would be, <laughs> I can think of plenty of people who would say, isn't that the reason that you need to go out and make a move at the trade deadline? Which of course, like your trade deadline is so restricted because. You're in the second apron and you have to would have to probably send a role player out, a serious role player in order to get someone back. The question is, has Cornette shown that he he is at the level where he can play those minutes and have the right impact on a championship caliber team? Um, or do you need to go out and and trade somebody else in order to fulfill that big situation? I mean. I think I think the question you could even just ask directly: Would you give away Cornette for somebody else? Uh, and I I think the answer is probably no, just given the how he's played so far, his chemistry within a team. I, I don't know, Ter. What, what do you what are your thoughts? I think he's proven perfectly capable of being a third center. I mean, if you look at this bench, really in all all throughout the season, they haven't lost you a game. In fact, they've even won you a couple games. So this bench has just proven they are capable of keeping you in games and winning games. And by the time you get to the playoffs anyway, like the rotation is going to be so shortened that even if Cornette needs to play, he's proven he's capable of it. So in my opinion, I think he's more than enough. And this bench has proven they are more than capable of being competitive and winning you games. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the one thing he can't really do is uh, is shoot the way Horford can from outside, right? But he he is he's just younger than Horford, and he has a little bit more size. So if, if you know, again, you 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 need that sort of size. I think there's gonna be some some games where it's just like, hey, just four or five cornet minutes. Those may be really impactful, even if it's not, even if he's not playing 20 plus minutes in, in a game six, game seven. I think if you can win Cornette minutes, which he's proven he he can do, I think those can swing series, you know? Especially if those Cornette minutes give Al Horford, at times Porzingis, a break, or if you can employ them in some kind of other double big lineup, which we know um, Joe Missoula has been tweaking with a little bit.